What is good, everybody, man? We haven't done a live stream in a while, and I had, you know, I had to bring two of the most knowledgeable, well-respected guys in this space on this show, man, to talk some HBCU spring football. We just kicked off spring games last weekend, Southern, Alcorn State, North Carolina A&T, man. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what we've heard from there as well. But first, man, let me introduce these two guys next to me. First, my guy, Joshua Sims. Y'all know him as the host of HBCU Nightly, HBCU Nightly Curated, and also one half or one third actually of the X's and O's podcast with my guy BJ and our girl Erica. Man, Josh, how you doing, man? Man, blessed, man. Absolutely blessed, man. Finally glad to get get with my guy, my guy Zag with Blue Bloods. Man, this this is an absolute honor, man. Glad to be here, bro. And definitely glad to be doing this with my brother from another mother, though. Yes, sir. <laughs> And y'all already know, listen, we, we've had this guy on the show. I mean, he's a staple in this space. My guy, BJ Jones, contributor HBCU Game Day, contributor for HBCU Nightly, the other one-third of X's and O's podcast. Man, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that, dropping knowledge between you two guys. But BJ, man, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good, man. We're getting closer and closer to it, man. So you can't be upset about that. <laughs> that that is a fact so bj i know we talked before the show you weren't able to make it down for southern's uh spring game but just some things that you've been hearing in terms of how that team looks so far and, and what the expectations going into year two of Dooley. i mean the biggest thing is man you want to see improvement um quarterback play uh quarterback play for southern last year was bad um there's no answers and buts about it um particularly in the games that matter uh, I know Bashan McCray did some great things against Florida Memorial. You know, he did some great things against Virginia Lynchburg. Um, but the games that matter, man, he struggled. Um, so, I mean, you know, what you want to see is that team take a step forward, and that step forward starts at quarterback play. You want to make sure that the defense uh, can remain as dominant as they were a year ago, you know, ranked fifth in total defense nationally. Um, you know, you want to pick up there. Um, and then what kind of production do you get from the receiver position? You know, you lo lost a few guys. got a few, a few guys coming back. You know, what does it look like? And I, I think one of the things from Southern that's going to shock people is a stable of backs uh, in that backfield. Kobe Dillon and, and uh, you know, J.J. is back. You know, that and, – and, and we're talking about the big backs. You know, we're, we're talking about 200-pounders. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what that offense looks like. So my question is, I've heard Blood has looked really good. He seems like he's taken a big step forward this spring. You guys landed the number one recruit in all of FCS, a local kid out of out of Louisiana. And you also got a really good kid, Woods, out of Woodward Academy over in Atlanta, who I'm really high on, too. I think he his accuracy and pocket presence to just command of an offense is next level for a for a freshman coming in do either of those guys have a realistic shot to start for southern next year yes <laughs> yeah they do because they, they're that good they're that good they are they, man let me tell you uh the kid here at woodward academy man i have been following him for about two years don't know how he ended up signing up with an fcs school but hey he's here i'm a kid from scotlandville man he's already you know been putting in some work uh, he's right there, so he's able to go, you know, you know, in an unofficial capacity, get on campus and kind of do some things. Would not be shocked to see one of them by midseason taking the reins. Those kids are that good, man. 
I, I know I was told by one Southern fan that if the kid that you, the local kid you guys landed, the top ranked recruit, if he doesn't play, there's going to be some fans pissed because they just want to see him put on for Southern because it was a big win for you guys on the recruiting trail. But Josh, I'll toss it to you, your rival. You call him the school up the highway. I mean, I'm sure you got your, I know you got your finger on it, like just like I do over there because you always got to know what your rival's doing. What have you heard about A&T spring game and what that, what that team possibly could look like going into 2023, year one of Vincent Brown? Yeah, man, it's, it's the Eli Brick Handler show. Um, you know, th- this kid is, um, and, you know, relatively speaking, in a small sample last season, we had a chance to see what this kid can look like. Played a handful of snaps in last, last year against Duke. Um, you know, played a handful of, I think, a series and a half against South Carolina State last year before he ended up get, getting hurt and being out the rest of the season. But it is. It's the, it's the Eli Brickhandler show there. Um, they, they've reloaded in the backfield. Uh, man, they've got a kid, um, number eight. I cannot remember the top of his head, name right now. He's wearing number eight during spring right now. Is it Graves? Wesley? It's Graves. It is yeah, Wesley Graves. He's a dog. This, this kid is a dog, man. And he's a big kid, man. 6'3", 215 is what they have him listed at right now on the spring roster. I mean, you know, but there, you know, it goes without saying, but you know, that defense, um, that defensive back unit um is gonna be something worth watching. Um, you know, and, and I don't pass them very many compliments, but what they have in that defensive back unit, man, and, and on those back in that back end, man, is, is special. Uh they've got two DBs uh right now that I know off the top of my head is like, Lord have mercy. I mean, they are going to be a problem. For a lot of teams, man. But, you know, I, I, I told Dave and I've told, you know, shout out to Dave. I see him down there. I told Dave and I told, you know, any of those guys, you know, rivalry aside, they're they're probably a, a recruiting cycle away. Um, but a lot of that is going to be incumbent on how Eli Brickhandler develops this offseason. I heard he had a magnificent spring and left it without any contention that it is his team. Um, you know, and, and that's not to say that, you know, Jaeger and, uh, you know, Hooker can't be able to help you know, to provide some depth. And if something ends up happening, you know, this is, this is college football, man. You need your, your second and third best guys to, in a lot of ways, be just as good enough to be able to start. Um, but, you know, down in Greensboro, down in East Greensboro, they're riding high. It's good when you have your first year as a brand new head coach for you to not have any questions about the quarterback room and for everybody to be able to kind of be competitive, but you got somebody that stood out. And so that's what I expect from those guys, man. I expect, you know, the quarterback room to be solid. I expect them to have a solid running game. Um, I expect the new offense coordinator to come in and kind of say, I heard, I mean, I saw with my own two eyes, some really good offensive play calling, obviously without them, you know, kind of trying to show too much, but you know, I expect them to be fluid, man. And then, you know, they're still the school down the highway, man. Defensively, they're going to be stout. They're going to be sound, but uh, you know, don't, don't expect them to do very, very much with us at 18 on field street. He said, I wish y'all luck every week, but but that game against North Carolina central. I, I love it. You know, I did think I really was expecting Hooker to push it for the job a little bit harder. I feel like I feel like he had a lot of potential. I, and I wonder if he could be a late bloomer like his brother, because if anyone yeah. followed college football, Hendon Hooker yeah. was not the quarterback at Virginia Tech that he was at Tennessee. He That's took like a giant leap. So we'll see. I think Graves in the running back room and is at school. It doesn't matter. Every school has a position group that they're known for. It doesn't matter if AT doesn't win a game, wins 11, they're going to have a running back. Absolutely. It just feels like they 
always have that guy. And then Karan Prunty in the secondary, like you said, he transferred in last year, was a first-team all-conference selection, if I'm not mistaken. They had him mic'd up. I saw some social media with him. That kid is next level. And I think it's a guy who potentially could find a way up into the NFL. We'll see draft pick-wise. I think he's going to have to have a big year. But I think he's a guy who could play XFL, CFL, somewhere along the line. I was over at Lorman this weekend for Alcorn State. Man, let me tell you guys, they that they drafted two different teams, of course. I, I don't like it because they said they had about 15 kids that weren't there. So when you draft like that and split the team in half, offensive line depth is so big. And so mm-hmm. you had starters playing with third stringers. And when you guys when you got guys like Malachi Bailey, Colin Scott, the transfer from Southeastern, they just went eight. The game mm. ended at seven to two was the final score. Yeah, they only played two quarters, though. They only played two two quarters, but um, McNair said it was they only got limited to 30 plays. They said that they had a team last year who came to the spring game, stole their signals, and that they weren't allowing that. They limited 30 plays apiece to each team, and you had to run to the sideline to get the play. We aren't doing signals. We're not showing them anything. But I will say Tyler Macon looks electric. Mm. He has the ability, man, where I tell you he could take it 80 yards if you don't have a spot. Mm. He's got that type of electricity. They really held him back in terms of throwing. But what I did like is Nico Duffy. I mean, BJ could speak to it, too. He has a chance to be the one of the all-time leading rushers in Alcorn State history just because mm. he's been there and has produced at the highest level. He got the short end of the stick when Jarvion transferred in. I don't think they knew what they were getting in Howard, but they're putting Nico in the slot, bringing him on jet sweeps, running some two-back sets, and I would love to see a read option. First read, Jarvion up the middle, and then it's Macon and Duffy to the outside. Nico's being the pitch option. It's going to be nasty. The one concern I have for is offensive line, but it's just because I didn't get to see the starting unit play together. Malachi Bailey's back. The transfer from Southeastern Colin Scott is a unit at the three-tech. Terrence Ellis is going to be a, a massive linebacker, and the secondary looks greatly improved. They've, mm. they've really loaded up at safety. I don't think they're going to miss K.J. Kinsler as much as I thought they were. Mm. And at the corner, Andrew Smith took a huge leap. He had a pick six at the spring game. He was the only touchdown and had a big pass break up to give the, his team the win late in the game. So uh, the, the word around Lorman is everyone's happy that, quote, unquote, all corn is back. And Frank McNair is on a mission to bring that title back to Lorman. And a lot of people are expecting them to host the, the SWAT championship game of Lorman. That's just the vibe I got this weekend. They're That's confident. a lot. That's a lot. Yo, and and I mean, heavy. the West is going to be, the West was going to be extremely competitive anyway. You know, yeah. I mean, prior to spring ball, you know, obviously I was heavy on Prairie View. I feel like Prairie View, you know, kind of had a great leg up. I think that Prairie View, in my opinion, I had Prairie View and Southern like really right there neck and neck um, just because Southern just needed to figure out the quarterback room, which is a big – that's a big question mark. I mean, you just – who's going to be the person to go out there and take those first first group snaps on on game one? Um, So that's a big enough question in itself. But the boogeyman of that West is is Alcorn, man. And and so to hear this, uh, you know – Lord, well, I, I think they get overlooked. I don't know if BJ could speak on why, but there there were a few shows. I was watching a few other – I like watch other channels, content creators and stuff, and they were talking about the best head coaches in HBCU football, the top three, and no one mentioned Fred McNair. The only person who has, who, who has really been – like has consistently went and won conference championships, and they just keep forgetting about him. I don't understand why Fred McNair doesn't get the respect put on his name that I feel like he deserves. That's the way they go about it. I mean, Alcorn isn't flashy. 
Um, they don't make a lot of social media noise. You don't see them on social media. And and what people think, like, this isn't new. When Alcorn made that run of, uh, was it six straight Eastern Division titles? Yeah. Uh, I know probably four of those six, someone else was picked to win the West outside of Alcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, it's like people will, will make them prove it again. We'll make them prove it again. We'll make them prove it again. And I think it's a testament. If you take away Fred McNair from Alcorn, mm. what you have is Mississippi Valley. From a financial standpoint, from a budget standpoint, um, they are close to, um, like I said, Mississippi Valley. Fred McNair and the guys that he has on that staff, they're able to make lemons, uh, turn lemonade, you know, and, and, and out of lemons. And they have done a spectacular job. And to me, when you ask about who's one of the top coaches, not only in, in, in HBCU football, but the FCS as a whole, I'm going to mention Fred McNair because of the restraints financially he has at Alcorn State. Thanks. Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be interesting. I think I think the West because the MEAC we know what it is because you know Josh and you like to say you separate HBC a D one HBC football into three divisions really yeah. the MEAC Swacky Swack West though even even with the craziness of the MEAC. I still think Delaware State and probably Norfolk are so far behind mm-hmm. that you could probably say the West is going to be the most competitive because if I told you Texas Southern, Alcorn State, Southern, Grambling, or Prairie View won the West next year, I don't think many people would be like, oh, how in the world would that happen? The only team is UAPB with a mm-hmm. new head coach. Everyone would be like, there's no way they win it. But you got five of the six teams that you can make an argument could get hot and make a run to the SWAT championship. That's what makes it so compelling. I think that's what makes it so compelling. That's the reason why when I talk about this, I break it up into three separate conferences. You know, it it makes the conversation much more competitive. When you break it down like that and you're able to look at it from top to bottom inside of a conference and you start wondering why five out of the six teams inside of the SWAC West have a legitimate chance to win win that side of the conference. And I, I straight up call it, they have a legitimate chance to win that conference. At the end of the day, Regardless of who's coming out of the East, anybody out of the West, listen, it's a new day inside the swag, ladies and gentlemen. This, this, it's a new day. This, this, what y'all been dealing with the last 24 to 36 months, it's a new day. Whoever come out of the West, listen to me. I told y'all I was going to make a prognostication on here. Whoever come out of the West might beat the brakes out of whoever come out of the East. Because you're going to get good defense, and Lord, God, be more love me. Don't let Southern figure out the quarterback position. Southern Ooh. or Alcorn, you better not yeah. have either of God, those teams have a true signal caller. I, I mean, listen, we talking about a Southern squad that last year almost clipped Jackson State. Let's just, call, let's, keep it, let's just keep it real. With a quarterback who hadn't had a starting series the whole season, which shows us that Southern is right there. They are quarterback away from probably going on a run fairly similar. And it's a year-by-year thing in the West. And that's what makes it so interesting and intriguing is year over year, you got to – who are you going to pick? Yep. I'm high on Prairie View, but I'm hearing what you just said out of there all corn. I'm like, dog, here we go again. Here we and, go again. The West P- is going to be what the West going to be. And PV Land and Caleb Johnson returning oh, yeah. 10 out of like the 11 or no, it's like eight of the top 10 offensive linemen from last year. Their defense was great last year. 
PV's not gonna above him, McDowell's a quad assassin too. He don't mm-hmm. say much, but he's gonna go in there and, and compete. But moving this along a little bit, must watch HBC positional battles, man. We could go so many different directions with this, man. But BJ, I'm gonna toss it to you first. Give me your top two HBCU positional battles you're looking forward most to seeing how they work out this spring. Oh man, both of them will be quarterback. Um, quarterback at Southern University. You know, it's gonna be Harold Blood. It's going to be Noah Biden. Um, one of the freshmen going to take over. You got to transfer from UAB. Um, you know, what is that going to look like? I think that's going to be a key um, uh, position battle. And then I think uh, the next one is going to be the position battle for quarterback down at Alabama State. Does Demetrius Davis, does he return as the quarterback? Or is there someone else on that roster? Um capable of, of unseating him. And I, I'm not going to say uh, capable because I, I feel like Miles Crawley was capable of unseating him. Um, I, think, and I think NIL and some of those other things play a role in that. Uh, but, you know, will coaches make that move um, to the guy who's going to move that offense as opposed to the guy who we, we gave them duckies to? Mm. Now, I do think – with with D Davis, I just feel like it's it's one of those things where they're looking at him and he has so much potential, and they're like, if we take him out, are we are we missing something? Right. And they're just trying to give him every opportunity to unlock that like next ability, and it's just like, man, if that never comes, then you just wasted two years, and you let Miles Crawley walk out the door for free to a to another school in your in your same conference. So. I, I, I like both of those picks, man. Josh, I'm going to toss it to you, your top two HBCU positional battles. Yeah, the, the first one off the top of my head, man, I got to go to Baltimore, Maryland, and go Morgan State. Who Who's going to be your quarterback? Okay, like great recruiting class. Okay, good defense coming back. Probably the best linebacker core in all of HBCU football, right? Yeah. Who, who's going to be your quarterback? Are you finally ready to just hunker down on Deuce, man? Let the kid develop. Or are you ready? I, I heard, I'm hearing, I don't know if this is true or not, but does Cason Baker have another year? Carson Baker have another year of eligibility? He's going to be 34 years old next year with two kids, a 401k <laughs> plan, all type of insurance benefits. Is he playing another year of college football next year? And if he is, can you even go away from him because he's the, literally the elder statesman in the quarterback room, along yeah. with bringing in a very talented freshman quarterback this year? Yes. Do you make the decision if you're Damon Wilson and you're not you're that offensive staff, brand new offensive coordinator? Do you make a decision to say, you know what, let's just start fresh and brand new. Let's go with the incoming freshman. He's not on campus yet. He won't get there to the summer. And so, do you just say, let's start fresh and brand new? We got a brand new offensive coordinator anyway. Do we go that, or do we finally just give the unabetted keys to Deuce Taylor and let him do his thing? And then the second one that I got is, it's not really a battle. It's almost like, well, who, who gonna step up? What's 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 gonna happen down in Orangeburg? Who's gonna replace Shaq? Yeah. I mean, you got a plethora of receivers. You got an incoming freshman that you that you just signed, six four two zero five. I mean, I don't know what they feed in that boy. You know, be a high school graduate, be 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". But who's going to be the guy? Because you do have to replace that productivity. And I'm hearing great things coming out of the quarterback room in Orangeburg, which is good, right? I'm hearing that they got the answer inside the building. Corey Fields is probably going to have to 
either make a decision on whether he's going to change positions or if he's going to be okay with being the backup, you know, from what I've heard so far. But who's going to replace this guy? Because you're going to be solid in the backfield. You got three of your four running backs that were on the roster last year back. Your offensive line is still going to be – it's Orangeburg, South Carolina. They're going to stay stacked at the offensive line position. Defensively, you're still solid, even though you lost B.J. Davis and lost a couple other guys. You're still going to be solid on defense. Defensive backcourt is still solid. But you got to replace productivity because when all else fails for South Carolina State, if they're running the ball solid, the next most important part to that offense is can they take the top off and push the Uh ball down the field? Well, you got to have somebody that can at least replace that type of productivity. So that's where I would go because I don't really know if there's anybody so far that is this, that's just standing out that's going to be the guy. I've heard a lot of names in South Carolina. I've seen a lot of guys coming out of Orangeburg. But who's going to be the guy to replace the productivity that you've had the last couple of years in Shaq Davis? I, I like both of those. And I, I think the South Carolina State one was kind of out of the box. I think people always keep looking at the quarterback spot. But if you lose Shaq Davis, man, that was, what, 95% of the offensive times yep. last year? Yep. And that's why I went with an unconventional one, too, because I kind of, I knew B.J. was going Southern. I, I figured Morgan was going to come up. But what about Tennessee State at running back Ooh. next year? They lost, yeah. they lost Devon Starling. He transferred yeah. to Northern Arizona after some off-the-field stuff. And he did. I think he just needed a new spot. He's a talented kid. He's going to eat over there in the big sky. But Draylon Ellis has to have a run game. He does. If Tennessee yep. State doesn't have a run game, Draylon Ellis cannot succeed in that offense. You've got to have a read option. RPO type scheme for Draylon Ellis to be at the highest level. And if they don't, when Devon Starling didn't eat, Tennessee State fell off the cliff offensively. I mean, they didn't score a touchdown for like three straight weeks in the mm-hmm. middle of the season because they couldn't run the football. But when you look at their high point, they they established a little bit of a run against Jackson. Eastern Washington, Devon Starling goes for like 250, and they almost knock off Eastern Washington, which was a top 25 team on the road where they don't lose a lot in Cheney, Washington. They got to find a running back. And they got the wide receivers. Their offensive line, I've heard, improved. But if Draylon Ellis is going to be Draylon Ellis at the highest level, they have to run the football. So that running back spot, huge question mark. And to stay with running back, Morgan State, mm. got to replace Alfonso Graham. Because I was mm. looking before the show, they only had one other player rush for more than one touchdown on the ground, and that was a quarterback who wasn't even the starting quarterback. <laughs> Nobody else had more than one rushing touchdown. I mean – Alfonso Graham was that offense at times. And I mean, until they hit went up against Central, it was it was Alfonso Graham or that team wasn't winning the game. That's a fact. That he single-handedly would win games for Morgan State. And with QB uncertainty, I'm really worried he's not going to have that safety blanket of an Alfonso Graham to bail him out of certain situations. So I think if Morgan does not find a running back and they got the QB question mark, all this hype behind Damon Wilson, you might have to wait for year three potentially and then things start getting tricky because if he does if he loses a bunch this year there's going to be some people saying how long do we give damon wilson to succeed especially if central goes on the run we think howard returns a lot of talent south carolina state everyone expects buddy pew to bounce back if you got a if you get a fifth place finish in the MEAC, what's the tone around that program after all the hype this offseason and last offseason yeah, yeah. That that's the that's the rough spot about about Morgan and and in Baltimore, Maryland. For those of you guys who do not know, I played against Morgan. Um, they they have a short leash as it pertains to losing. If they see consistent enough losing, no matter how big of a name you are, they gonna they gonna ask you to come. We're gonna have to holler at you. Appreciate you. Thank you for your services. 
and we wish you wish you well going on. And that's because you you're talking about a Morgan State program that like genuinely has a tremendous amount of history. When you look at college uh-huh. football, you look at what they've been able to do in the history of college football. They have every reason in the world, especially from a MEAC standpoint, to feel the way that they feel. But as we all know, man, college football is what have you done for me lately? And, you know, unfortunately, up in Baltimore, in Baltimore, man, at the National Treasure, as my brother Banks would like to say, man, it's just not, you know, it. this is a like a, a seesaw type of situation, man. I think they got a great staff. I think they definitely got it right with Damian Wilson. But you're just almost in a situation where it's like, I mean, you caught South Carolina State slipping last year on a rare down year. Howard is returning 80-plus percent of their roster. They don't have any questions at the quarterback position. And then you just so happen to have the reigning national champions inside of the same conference you win. You almost got to get in where you fit in. That's that's a fact. And, you know, moving on here, man, this is going to be an interesting one because I think I have a very – we'll start with the obvious one, man. We know what first-year head coach everyone wants to talk about and the storylines. Jackson State, T.C. Taylor taking over for former head coach Deion Sanders. The question I want to post to you guys before I get into your biggest question surrounding the program is, is do you think T.C. Taylor is having too much placed on his shoulders year one? Because I've been talking to some fans. I've, I went to the pro day. I talked to Coach O. I talked to TC. I talked to new defensive coordinator, Coach Bradley. It's 13-0 and or bust in Jackson right now. I mean, if they don't win the Celebration Bowl, there's going to be a percentage of the fan base that is not happy. That's failing expectations year one. Do you think too much expectations are being placed on the shoulders of this first-year head coach? BJ, I'll let you I'll let you kick this one off. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Do, 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 do the people that you talk to, do they, do they realize what Jackson State lost? Hey, do they realize the, 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 what that roster looks like now? That roster ain't the same. That roster ain't the same. And we thought it was going to be close. We thought there have been some guys that have been rumored that are going to hit the portal in the next couple of weeks. That's, you know, that are some heavy hitters, man. Look, man, you got to give TC some grace. Um, with the, you know, uh, you know, the factions from that that roster, the program turnover. He is trying to get his um, personality, his mark on the program, as opposed to you know what you know the previous regime had. Man, this gonna take some time, man. And, and, and I don't think it's realistic. They think that Jackson State is going to go thirteen and zero when you look at the schedule. I think we're not being. I think we're not being realistic, and I think we need to look at this thing. Hey, we're going to have to give TC time. Um, the previous re- regime didn't do you any favors, and I think that there's going to be another blow coming when APR uh, jumps in because APR was bad for a single year last year. It ain't going to get too much better uh, this year. So now you're going to be behind the eight ball because you're going to have two out of that throw in four years. It's going to be really bad. I, I think you got to give TC some time, man. Go ahead, Josh. Let you jump in here. Man, listen. I, listen, man. I, 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 I um, As I've come into this and studied this, I've, I've become somewhat numb to the expectations that people place on these programs. 
I know BJ, I know BJ wanted to get into it. And I'm gonna just quickly just say it. This is a complete overhaul of a pro. This is a completely different culture, a completely different concept, a completely different staff, a completely different air and expectation and idea. And I get it. Listen, man, I understand what it means that the standard is the standard mentality and that's the approach. I get it, man. Trust me. I get it. But come on, man. I mean, you're not even going to get a man a chance to get through a couple recruiting cycles before your expectations of him are the same expectations of a man who left and couldn't, he couldn't do it to save his life. He couldn't do 13 and 0 to save his life. It just wasn't going to happen. And so I mean this with all respect because I love Coach Staff. That staff, half of that staff is guys that I'm in completely familiar with being a North Carolina Central grad. I, that staff is a great staff, dog. That's a great group of coaches, top to bottom, starting at TC. I have the utmost love and respect for him, even though he was talking crazy during the Celebration Bowl, warm up, we ain't going to get there. But I got a tremendous amount of respect for T.C. Taylor, how he carries himself as a coach and what he does. But I think that we've got to be a little bit more realistic about programs that have overhauls like that. And then the elephant in the room is we don't know what what Jason Brown is going to look like. But I'm pretty sure because we all are individuals, he ain't going to look like Shador back there. Because we know everybody is their own human being. So what that looks like and how that translates into the game, let's give it some time and see. Because you got a, you got two games to start off the season that you, – you, you, man. They got a brutal man. first four games. Man. They brutal. I mean, because you got South Carolina, South Carolina State and Atlanta. Then mm. you go mm-hmm. to FAMU and Miami. Mm. Then you got Texas State. Mm. Then you got Southern. On the road, by the by the way. Both of those are on the road. And going down to Baton Rouge is always difficult. You know, and I think they, they have enough talent, and I trust the coaching staff enough. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out the West. Like, I'm not saying that they can't win the, the division, get to the SWAT championship. It's just, man, like, I, 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 it'd be really, really hard to see. Like, man, I don't think people understand how hard undefeated seasons are. Like, mm-hmm. all of us played. A lot of people in the chat have played, coached, have, have been around teams. And to be perfect, man, I don't think people understand how difficult that is. And if TC uh, – let me say this. If TC Taylor goes 13-0, and 0, wins the Celebration Bowl, it will be one of the greatest feats That's a fact. I've, I've seen. That's a fact. Man, could you imagine with all the turnover and you would have to beat Texas State? It'd be what – BJ, when's the last, when's the last F, FBS win for the SWAC? 1985, the year I was born. The history behind this season would be insane if this happened. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see, but looking at just how the, like Josh, you said, it's a diff, it's a new age of the swag with everyone taking a step forward and a step up, man. I just, I, I, I would, I would just say, man, I, I think TC and his staff, they, they made all the right steps. They've upgraded. Yeah. I, and I do think Jason Brown is going to be a great quarterback, man, because everyone who saw that kid play at St. Francis knows what he can do at the F- FCS level. 
For that sure. kid was a baller at St. Francis. So I'm really interested to see. I just there's just so many question marks right now. And I think that's why their spring game is probably one of the most intriguing. Mm-hmm. Because you have so many guys, it's like who's going to be the starting linebacker now that Geronte and Aubrey left? Who's going to who's going to step up at corner? Who's going to step up? At, we want to see what all the quarterbacks running back now that Savion's gone. So it's going to be super interesting, man. In my opinion. Yeah, that was that was that was some breaking news to me about Savion leaving, man. I, I look, man. I listen. I get it. We're in the age of transfer portal. It's a different day. It's a new day. I still think that they, you know. You know them and fam. You are one, one, one and two, maybe one A, one B to come out of the East. Um, but you know, if we talking about other big questions coming out of surrounding new HBCU head coaches, I mean, I mean, we got to we talk, we got to talk about Coach Woody. I mean, yeah. who is my in my opinion my favorite? It, he became my favorite hire in all of FCS college football this offseason. Coach Woody to his alma mater became my favorite hire of all of FCS football this offseason. I've had a chance to study this guy. I, you know, he was the, at Florida State with Coach Taggart. I routinely went to the, the co- their coach's clinic there, and Coach Woody always had the best breakout sessions ever, man. Always had the best breakout sessions ever. I, a part of me almost kind of wished that his son, Raymond Jr., could be able to go with him down to Bethune, down to Daytona, and play up under his dad there. But, man, listen, I, I am – I will not be surprised – if the Bethune Cookman Wildcats, and maybe I'm living in like Bethune of old, like these cats used to spank us. You know what I mean, they were they were they were a hard out. You know what I'm saying? They were a tough game to play, man, and they was rolling at that time. But I think that they're gonna clip somebody in year one. I think they're gonna clip somebody. Very similar to what we saw with Morgan clipping South Carolina State last year. They gonna catch somebody slipping in Florida and them. You you ain't too far away from getting clipped now. Man, don't, be, don't forget where you come from now. They clipped them nine years in a row, so don't I mean, I'm pretty sure they're familiar. From. You feel me? Don't forget where <laughs> you come from now. This, this one would have to hurt worse. I mean, this one would be detrimental to just the state of that. Pro- I mean, because we know what topic's coming up later. We can, we can readdress this, but to lose if they lose to Bethune this year and it cost them a SWAT championship. Oh man, I, you can't pay me to be a fly on the wall in that administration oh. room after the season. You can't. I, I, I would. I would not even want to be in Tallahassee when that meeting has to happen. But hey, you remember? You remember twenty eighteen? It cost him a trip to uh, Atlanta. A pick six, Ryan Stanley. It did. It did. It did. Oh man, BJ, let me toss it to you, man. Valley, Kendrick, Kendrick Wade comes back. His alma mater. We know the challenges of Valley, man. We uh, let's just, we uh, we all get it. Expectations for him, man. And what's your biggest question for that team going into twenty twenty three? Um, can he build off what Vincent Dancy did at Valley? Valley was a tough out up under Vincent Dancy. They may not have gotten the wins that they wanted to get and that the uh, Delta Devil faithful uh, would have wanted to get, but no one looked forward to playing Mississippi Valley. Um, you knew that that was a losable game. If you did some things incorrectly, ball bounced a certain kind of way, then you're going to be in a dogfight with Mississippi Valley, and we, and we can look at this. In the last two years, Mississippi Valley had FAMU on the ropes. Uh, they had Jackson State on the ropes. They beat Alabama State. They beat Alabama A&M. They Central. beat Prairie which, you know, also beat Central. <laughs> I mean, there were some things that were done over at Mississippi Valley, and you want to know, uh, with the new regime, can you keep that positive momentum going forward? 
where you may not win eight or nine games, but can we win four and be competitive in another three to four of them where it may be a one-possession, two-possession swing? I'm with you. I think, for me, I don't even care about the win total this year. Can you develop some building blocks for next season and moving forward? They they brought in, what, 31 kids yeah. so far in that recruiting class? Yeah. You just have to make sure you have some guys that you can trust moving forward. I think Zamarian Kendall, I had him on the show, the running back, highest-rated recruit to ever commit to Valley. He's one. Quarterback's a big question mark as well. you you, you got to replace so much, man. Every position is up for grabs at Valley because you lose to Corey Rankin and also Ronnie yeah. Thomas, probably your two best players from last year. Every position is is up for grabs at Valley. But, you know, to keep it moving, man, Delaware State, Josh, you're the MEAC guy. I, I think Hull is an underrated hype. He is. I, I think he could sneak up on some people. But, man, your, your question is for Delaware State right now. You know, Delaware State is is to the MEAC what Valley is to the Swaggies. All right. If you have the program in a great position, they can be the team that becomes the boogeyman of your conference, right? You may have high hopes. And then you come into Delaware State if they're rolling and they're messing around and knock you off and it's totally changed the whole trajectory of your program. But when Delaware State is not good, they are like indescribably bad. And so unfortunately, Delaware State goes through these cycles of being like, okay, and then they go here. And they never really quite break through the midline of a pro as a program. Here's what I expect to happen when Coach Hall being there, right? Right now in the MEAC, because it's six teams, because I mean, you know, that's the reason why that's the significance of why I really broke it up into basically three conferences, because it's six, six, and six. You right now, the fight to just get over the midpoint line in the conference, to be in the top half of the conference. It's, it's an open battle. It's a wide open battle. And that don't necessarily mean you're going to be at one or two, because I think right now everybody kind of knows that. And then all three of the conferences, you pretty much have an idea of who one and two is in all three of those conferences. And then you got to fight for maybe who's at three. And if you get to three, you got just as much of a fighting chance to be at one as everybody else. Can Delaware State be better? This is the, These are the questions I have to ask. Right. And it's going to sound super rudimentary. Right. Like, why are you even asking me? Can Delaware State be better than Norfolk State? Can Delaware yeah. State be better than Morgan State? Yeah. Mm. Delaware, you see what I'm saying? Can Delaware State be better than South Carolina State? Can yeah. Delaware State be competitive against Howard? Can Delaware State be competitive against North Carolina Central? Those are my five questions that I asked this year. Can they beat Norfolk? Can they beat Morgan? Can they beat South Carolina State? Can they compete against Howard and compete against Central? That's what I have. We have to ask the other four teams in the conference about who's going to end up at that three spot, taking the next step as a program. And everybody that's watching the show, get you a sheet of paper out, write those five questions down about the, the other, other than the top two teams, write those questions down. And answer those questions for yourself, and that will tell you where the competition is. Very similar to Coach Hall. 
he's going to need two to three recruiting cycles to be able to truly be able to answer that question. And those top two spots might alternate. You know, it might change. Next year, Davis Richie ain't going to be in the building. So you got a whole other set of questions. I, ain't, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but it just is what it is. But, I mean, write that down, ladies and gentlemen. Put it on your sheet and paper. Put it in your handy dandy notebook. Answer that question about everybody, and you can answer that same question for every single conference, and that will help you to be able to have a clear understanding of where I am mentally as a football guy, as a person who really, really loves his game, studies his game, has played and coached it. That's where I'm at, and I answer the questions just like that every year. Yeah, they're going to have to be patient. I'll just say that. I mean, if Morgan doesn't find a quarterback and a running back, I could possibly see that South Carolina State the same, but I still still consider them multiple – levels behind Howard and Central, especially next season. I, I just think Hull's going to need some time. And just quickly, so, so we can keep this thing moving, UAPB, another program who I think kind of gets overlooked in the grand scheme of things. But I think they made a solid hire, too. And they landed a pretty quietly solid recruiting class as well. BJ, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. How do you feel about UAPB? What's your biggest questions with them? I mean, the biggest thing, man, they, they brought in Alonzo Hampton, the guy that knows that program. Mm-hmm. Um, Alonzo Hampton is one of the greatest players to ever play at the university. If you, you know, don't remember him, you know, back in the 90s when they were NAIA before they made the move back up to the SWAC, uh, he was a running back on the team that played for the NAIA National Championship mm-hmm. uh, and almost won one of the national championships that we have on the HBCU level. Uh, he knows that program in and out. He has a relationship. Uh, well, not only high school coaches in the Arkansas area, but in North Louisiana, that Texas area. Uh, so he's able to recruit and he knows what it takes to be able to win at Arkansas Pine Bluff. And that's one of the roughest things when you go to a place like UAPB is that you have to understand the terrain. You have to understand the things that they have in place uh, for you in order for you to be successful. Um, if you look at UAPB, the guys who've been successful there, Cedric Thomas, who built that program um, before he left, UAPB guy. Mm. Um, and now you're going to have uh, Alonzo Hampton coming in, UAPB guy. Um, that, that same you know, same era as, as Cedric Thomas. I, I think UAPB has something. And, and, and the biggest thing for UAPB, man, is that they have to get behind that football program. Um, they have to get behind that football program, and it may be easier to do when you have one of your own at the helm leading that program. I agree. I think hiring alums is something you've kind of seen work because, mm-hmm. got, because especially with maybe the bigger programs, maybe not because we know that it's probably not as a, much of a struggle to get those programs established. But for the valleys, the UAPBs, like man, you got to have someone who knows the ins and outs and the behind the scenes of what they're getting into and what it's going to take to be successful there. But moving along here, man, dark horse candidates in the SWAC and MEAC this year in terms of teams. So forget the Centrals, the Howards, the, the I think the Southerns, the Jackson States, the FAMUs. Who, if 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 you came down to it, who who is a dark horse you could see winning both of these conferences this season? Josh, I'll toss it to you first. I'm going to be honest with you, Bull. This is one of the only seasons where I think across the landscape, outside of the the chaos that will be the Swag West, that I don't legitimately see very many dark horses. Like, and I'm normally like, okay, this team has got like sneaky elements where they could possibly be really, really good. 
But like this one of the first years where I really like don't see nobody that's like, oh, if they get this right, that they can mess around and win a conference. Like you look at Alabama State, right? This is just my perfect example. You look at a program like Alabama State, incredibly good at defense. I'm talking incredibly good at defense, but incredulously bad or pedestrian at offense. And you look at that and you say, well, like, like what can they do to, again, just, they, I would say they're in that top half, but what can they do to, like, really beat the top two? It's like, figure out the quarterback position, easier said than done. Yeah. South Carolina State, incredibly good at defense, but incredibly pedestrian on offense. And then you just lost 95% of your offensive production. What can they do? And then in the West, pick a straw out of the hat. Yeah. I, I think that this might be one of the most top heavy years in all three of these parts of these conference, this conference. It's the most top heavy. If you top two, you legitimately have everything to lose. It's on you. If you are three through six, pray. Pray. <laughs> three through six in any of them conferences, pray. That's all I got to say. I, I love that answer, man. I was, I was out of the box on that one. I should have expected that from you. I, I knew I should have known that was coming. <laughs> BJ, man, I'll, I'll toss it to you, man. You're dark horse candidates. Grambling. Uh, Grambling State is going to be one of them. I know if you look at Grambling last year, um, they found different ways to lose ball games. I mean, if you can think of a way to lose a ball game, Grambling did it. You want to get blown out? You want to win? You want to lose close? You want to lose it overtime? You want to? You want to? You know, have the ball ran down your throat? You want to have it? You know, you know, toss over your head in there? They, they did it every way. You want to turn it over and lose it? Uh, you want to win the turnover battle and still lose it? Um, like if you want to win the total yardage, um, you know, you want to, you, you want to win the total, total yardage battle and, and still lose it. They found ways to lose it. But when you have a football team that's that young and you're bringing so much back and one of the issues that they had was quarterback and you insert Miles Crawley into mm. that. Now you're a little bit dangerous. Mm. So Grambling is one of those teams I'm going to be looking for. Alcorn is my definite, definite dark horse. And there's a school in Houston. Texas Southern, one of the moves that they made this offseason was to bring in a new uh, defensive coordinator, former Grambling uh, defensive coordinator, um, Everett Todd. Everett Todd is solid, 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 solid as a defensive coordinator. One of the problems with Texas Southern is they couldn't stop anybody. Everett Todd is going to fix that. Now, they might not be Grambling-level top 10 defense, but if he can get them to pay, to to plan, you know, middle tier defense, and then offensively, they improve on what they did a year ago. Texas Southern is potentially dangerous, and then in the the MEAC, people are going to say, you know, hey, this this team, I think that there's some distance between North Carolina Central and Howard, but if Howard is going to get it done, it might have to be this year. It just might have to be th this year uh, because if I'm looking at what Howard has, that team is aging. They're not young anymore. 
that we're young argument is not going to fly anymore. Um, and I think for Howard, it's kind of going to be, it's going to be now or never. And I think that's the same boat that our friends in Tallahassee is in. It's going to be now or never. Mm. I, I love that. You know, for me, uh, go out on because you know I already picked Alcorn. I, I my way too early. I think Alcorn's winning the West, so they would have to be my dark horse. I think they can be that good. But if I had to go elsewhere, man, at, we talked about it earlier. The mythical thing that is D Davis at his highest level. If he clicks, Alabama State can make some waves. They were what one play away from possibly finishing second. Yeah, in that division last year, man. I mean, fam, you had. They were one play away. I mean, they gave FAMU everything they wanted and more. So I think Alabama State, they return Adrian Maddox. They return Colton Adams at linebacker. They The biggest question is defensive line. Could they replace Nelson Jordan and some of those guys? And then also uh, Brandon Gaddy as well that they lost. But it's all up to D. Davis, man. That development is so important. And if he clicks at quarterback and Alabama State, like you said, Josh, can go from that middle-of-the-road pedestrian offense to – I'm not even saying elite. If you just a, a little top, bit better, man. The top five offense in the swag, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be dangerous because that defense is going to be top five in the swag. It, yeah. It's just going to be at Alabama State. And then in the MEAC, man, I, I'm with you, Josh. It's, it's so hard to kind of pick somebody because, one, I'm so high on Central and what, and what Richard is bringing back and what that defense is bringing back. I think they addressed all their needs. But if I had to pick someone again, because Dark Horses are all about if this and if that, and if Morgan State clicks at quarterback, that defense, I mean, they're in the same boat as kind of Texas Southern was it, it, going into the preseason last year where you don't have to put up 45 points a game or 30 points per game. If you score 25 points per game it's all, uh-huh. in just middle of the road, you are going to win a lot of games because your defense is not allowing many teams to go over 30. They're just not. They're just that good because – from the front, their front seven to the secondary, I mean, I don't know if there's a weak point of that team. Like you said, Josh, they got one of the best linebacking cores. Elijah Williams had a strong case. As great as Khalil Baker was, Elijah mm-hmm. Williams had a strong case for MEAC Defensive Player of he the did. Year. And then in he the did. secondary was young but very talented. And you went and got a transfer in Brandon Savage from Norfolk State, who was already one of the best corners. So you mm-hmm. upgraded again with experience. All Morgan has to do is just go from – because I don't even think they were middle-of-the-road offense. They were atrocious offense. They were bad. Oh, they were they bad. Were really bad. They were so – I mean, they they were hard to really? watch at times. In that Central game, they got exposed because Central, they took the one thing they did well away, and then they and then once Davius got going and it got 21 nothing, 28 nothing, you knew it was over. Like they weren't coming behind on anybody, so those would be my all corn state, Alabama state, Morgan state would be my picks there. And because I look at Howard as a favorite too, but I agree, I think this they're so senior heavy. If it's not this year, then when does it have when does it happen? And that brings us to the question. I mean, I wrote a column about it, I've been <laughs> so vocal about this. That was my first column for heroes or my second column for hero sports. Is this a must win year for FAMU? Because you're a wild boy, bro. You wild. Let me me give it to you, man, because I was shocked because I'll do research for these columns, man. I'll research for a few days. I'll make sure I got all the facts. They have not won an outright conference championship since 2001. They haven't won a postseason game since I was like two in the late 90s. I, and they haven't beat Jackson State in the last four games. I don't know if they've beat Jackson State in the 2000s. Jesus. I mean, 
And at the end of the day, your two losses in the Swacker to Jackson State, you're 16 and 0 against other HBCU teams because they got those two wins over South Carolina State, and they've beaten like 75% of those teams by 10 or more points. Is Man. this a must year? Is this is this a must win year for FAMU? Yes. 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 And yes. If you look at FAMU, Willie Simmons, when he got that program, remember 2018, they were headed to Atlanta. All right. On the uh with the eight yard line. Mm-hmm. They were headed to the to eight yard line, pick six. You, you're not going to Atlanta. AT goes. 19, you self-imposed. You would have been going to Atlanta if you didn't self-impose. Then you have 20. Then you have 21. 6-3. Three three points from Atlanta. Last year, just completely boat raced in Miami. All right? It's now or never. Jackson State ain't the Jackson State of old. I mean, they're not Dion's Jackson State, but you didn't beat the Jackson State before then then anyway. Um... So it's 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 going to be interesting, man, on how that works out. And I think that the family faithful are asking themselves, man, Willie Simmons has got us close. He's got us to the edge. But we ain't got over. We, we, they, they hadn't gotten over it, man. And, yeah, I think, I think it will be now or never, man. Now or never, man. The only reason, I, like Josh, I know Josh said I was wild for this. The only reason I'm saying this is because family did it to themselves. They uh-huh. were the ones that came out and said that this year – was celebration ball or bust. That's what happens when you go out and schedule two D2 teams. No, one D2 team in the NAI school. Yep. That's what you scheduled. And you said, we don't care about the playoffs. We don't care about anything but going to Atlanta and the Rattlers holding up that trophy in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. If I'll say this. If they open the season with another loss to Jackson, Ooh. I question them. I just question – not. Just the team, you know, you can quiet the noise around the team. Listen, because they're going to be motivated. Willie's a great coach. I don't think they're going to fall victim and lose like 10 straight or what, you know, anything like that. What is the what is the tone and the perception of the fan base? I mean, that would suck the energy out of the season, right? If you go out there, Jackson State goes out there, let's say beats them by 10. Where do you go from there? Like, how do you get motivated for the rest of the season at that point? Well, I mean, and that's 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 one of the reasons why, man, this game being this early, man, it, it causes for there not to be enough attention, not enough parity, not a not a big enough storyline. Man, when this game like this, this is not like two teams from two different conferences having a game. This ain't even two teams from two different sides of a conference having a game this early in the season. This is two teams in the same division who, for the last two years, this game has been the game that has determined who's going to the Celebration Bowl for the entire Dern Conference, man. And you look at this game and you say, not only do you not have enough time to really just put enough film together to figure out who this team, you ain't got but one game, and that's against South Carolina State. You got to hope and pray that Jackson State shows them at least 60% of who they are in that South Carolina State game. And then you almost kind of hope and pray that they don't beat South Carolina State. Because if they beat South Carolina State only showing 60% of their of their stuff, because I guarantee you, T.C. Taylor and that, that, that program is not going to show everything. No. They're going to hope that they can beat South Carolina State with a limited play call issue. 
very limited play calling, very limited situational football call play call. That sheet gonna look slimmer than 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 man. So when you get to this, you have to ask yourself: not only if they don't win this year, is that gonna suck the life out of the program for the year? But you're gonna have to have some 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 conversations about tabling the expectations of this program going forward. You, you want to pattern yourself as a championship caliber program? Mm. Here you go. Here you go. Here's an opportunity. Put up a shut up. And listen, I want fam to take care of business. They they me at brethren. You know what I'm saying? We just let them. We let them back. We let the swag borrow them. They me at brethren. We want them to take care of business. And I want to take. I want them to take care of business because I want to tear their tail up in Atlanta. We owe them for that. La- I ain't going there. I ain't going there. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> if you're FAMU, the worst case scenario, because I because I don't think it's far-fetched, because we don't know what South Carolina State is going to be either. Right. If Jackson State comes out there and beats South Carolina State like they beat FAM last year, Ooh. if I'm FAMU, I'm at, I'm like, can we get this game off the schedule? Because <laughs> the part, if, if Jason Brown plays two quarters – and the, the starters are out. They, they're running the football in the second half. You get two good quarters, and you just saw them boat race South Carolina State. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. It's going to be – and I don't think Willie should be on the hot seat because, nah. listen, I, I, nah. I, you're not – because my, my biggest thing is I know fans are impatient. I get it. But if, if you're going to fire a coach, I always ask, is there an obvious higher replacement or a better replacement? You're not upgrading for Willie Simmons if you're fam you. So he's not on the hot seat, but it's just like if I'm fam, I'm pushing the swag so hard to get rid of divisions yeah. at this point. You got to get rid of divisions and give me a chance. Please get me out of Jackson State's division, but I don't know if they can do that. So it, to me, this is an obvious must-win year for fam you. In my opinion, I, if they don't win it this year, what happens? Expectations got to change about yeah. the program. You got to change the expectations of the program, man. You got to level set, reset, get back to the drawing board. A lot of what you just said, go back to the conference and say, hey, guys, we, we got to do something about these divisions. You, you know, we're removing our parity inside of the conference. And I'm and, and you can make a legitimate case that you're removing the, the confidence of, of, a, of an entire program because they lose a game this early in the season. You can't pinpoint that nowhere else. There's and nowhere then you look at the players. You look at the players that have come through their program with no championship. Aretha Bishop Bunny, Marquise Bell, Bowling. Xavier Smith, Isaiah Land. I mean, you, you the talent has been there. Talent has been there. Um, so you know, like I said, it's now or never. Now or never. I mean, you could even go back further. We can go all the way back to like 2001 and mm-hmm. talk about who doesn't have that co on that ring. But the next two topics are going to be Josh's favorite of the show. I already know. Man, the, the re- there's only one school that has been able to repeat right now. Josh isn't a big fan of this school in the Celebration Bowl. But can Central do what everyone is is questioning is that is repeat as Celebration Bowl champions? Josh, I already know you're you're itching to answer this question, man. Give, give, give me the argument about why, because I already know you think so. You know. You know, and I don't, I'm going to start off humble with this. I think that, listen, I think 
we've got to be. <laughs> I just I don't really even know how to answer this question other than how I'm going to answer. Forget this, man. Forget playing. Like, listen, man. Everybody hasn't really had a chance to see, especially not in football. It, it, you know, the people can remember a little bit about you know our run in, on the division two, our last couple of years in division two. When you know when we were dominant on you know those last couple of years, kind of dominating the CIAA, really you know we stayed top five, top ten in the in the Division two rankings, you know for about four to five years before we transitioned up to NCC in, into Division one. That said, I think that if I'm being honest, we know that HBCU football in a lot of ways is it, the narrative is a lot more controlled by the swag because I mean there's a lot more fans. You know, it's just that's just football country. It's almost like the SEC versus the ACC. It is what it is. Yeah. But people don't really know what it looks like on this side when a program like North Carolina Central is at its best when they're at the pinnacle. So let me just kind of paint a picture for you guys of what this looks like. When Central is winning in football, because we're a basketball school that always has wanted to be a football school. When Central is winning in football, the checks are flying into the program. The updates and upgrades we get I can't tell you what we get ready to have happen inside that stadium. It's a lot that's getting ready to happen. The weight rooms are being upgraded. Coaches are getting boosts in pay, bumps in pay. Salaries are getting done. Contracts are being extended. More analysts are being brought in. More resources are being brought into the program. This is what happened when, when a North Carolina Central is winning. And it's because our alum, more than winning, loves for North Carolina Central to be the pinnacle. And it makes it so much easier because football in itself is a quarterback-driven, I don't care where we are at, it's a quarterback-driven sport still. If you got the quarterback room figured out, and when we had our run in the Division II, it was Stafford Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, if y'all know who Stafford Brown is, go look. Stafford Brown won three out of his four years. He won the CIAA three out of his four years. Same thing happened. And now here we are at the precipice of another quarterback. We had Malcolm, Bre Malcolm Bell. Same thing happened. And here we are at the precipice of a quarterback that has the, uh, that has the chance to do something we haven't seen a quarterback do in 30-plus years. And you think that we are going to pass up an opportunity to reward this career and opportunity by repeating as champions, as dominating. What you're going to see from North Carolina Central University this year is if you are a team on that schedule, that includes UCLA, if you do not play a perfect game, you're going to get whooped. I promise you. Because all of the questions that Central had last year, they answered every single one of them, not with one player, but with depth. And so now you kind of sit back. If you're in the position I'm in where I played at Central, I'm third generation graduate of Central. I've seen what happens. I've seen this happen. I know what this story looks like. It is going to be very, very hurtful for that school down the highway. To watch what's getting ready to happen at 1801 Family Street. Y'all if you already hate us, you're gonna hate us even more. <laughs> you know, 
to, to build on this, PJ, because I know everyone likes the X's and O's talking, really breaking down, man. My other column for Hero Sports, my third one was, and I messaged Josh about it because I, I had to make sure the stat was real because I was like, there's never been a quarterback out of North Carolina Central to be taken in the NFL draft. Yeah. And I was like, wow. that's a that's a wild stat. Cause like I because because I was looking through the record books, I was looking at all these records, and I was like, someone had to be taken. And I went and looked, and there has never been Davius Richard, like I said, has the chance to make unbelievable history, not just in repeating, not just in winning another MEAC Offensive Player of the Year, FCS All-American, even the Walter Payton Award, which he's going to be a favorite for as well. He's got the chance that I think paving a path to the NFL is so important and not talked about enough that teams are not taking a chance on a quarterback if it hasn't happened before a lot of the times. And Davius can open up that opportunity. BJ, when you look at Richard's game, can he be the first guy to pave that path, be a trailblazer out of North Carolina Central and hear his name called in the NFL draft? Yes. Yes. Uh, and and it, he has everything that you want to have uh, that have a quarterback draft. He has the athleticism. He has the size. He has the speed. He has the arm. He made some throws. Go look at some of those throws he made in the celebration bowl. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, go look at some of those throws that he made um, – that last game um, against um, yeah, yeah, there were some throws that he made, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, the kid has it. Um, he he has it, and I think that we're going to look on him fondly, the same way we look at Malcolm Bell. Malcolm Bell, when he was in his greatness, I think a lot of people missed it. Yeah. I think a lot of people overlooked Malcolm Bell. It, it wasn't until maybe two or three years after he was gone. People realize how cold Malcolm Bell really, really was. I think with Davis Richard, I think we're we're catching it right here in the moment. And I think that this year, I think that this year, I think he he he, he you know smashes the gas. He takes his game to another level, um, and that's bad news if you're over there in the Miac. You ain't wearing that that maroon and gray. Now, BJ. I mean, I'll be uh, Josh. Let me toss it to you because I I texted you. I was like, man, where would you rank him in the in the in just the all time great players? You said he's top three right now, yeah. and you said you told me what he had to do. And I think, we, listen, he's going to hold every rushing record that yeah. Central has has to offer. And he's I think about three thousand something yards away from breaking some passing records as well. What does he have to do for you to solidify his NFL draft stock this season? Well, you, you know, it, it, it almost works out perfect. When you and I had that conversation, it almost works out perfect what his stat line has to be to become the all-time greatest quarterback in school history. It's the same stat line he's going to need to get drafted. He's going to have to pass for over 3,000 yards to become the all-time leading passer in school history. Well, he's going to have to pass for over 3,000 yards for him to make his draft stock go up. He's got to pass for at least 20, I think it's 28 passing touchdowns to become the all, all-time leading passing touchdown leader in school history. Well, he's going to have to go for 28 or more touchdowns passing-wise for him to become a draft-worthy quarterback. He's going to have to continue to show that he's just as dangerous with his legs as he is with his arms. He's going to have to be around that 500, 700-yard-plus rushing wave for him to be able to do that with another 15 rushing touchdowns to couple with 28 total passing touchdowns. That puts him at 45 touchdowns for the total touchdowns for the season. 
And you cannot tell me that a 6'4", 225 quarterback who lifts with defensive linemen and linebackers, who has a cannon for an arm, has improved year over year accuracy-wise, his quarterback rating has improved year over year since the day he got on campus. He's the second quarterback in school history to go for 2,000 passing yards year after year after year. He's going to do the same thing this year, but we got to get to three. You've seen his progression. You've seen his ability to make pro-style throws, but he is what the NFL is looking for right now in quarterbacks, and that's a dual-threat quarterback that's big, strong, and durable. Yep. That alone almost works perfect, Zach. He, what is, whatever it's going to take for him to become the all-time greatest quarterback in school history is what it's going to take for him to get drafted. That's rare. That's rare for that to lay out that way. And I just believe that this young man has the skill, the ability, and the opportunity to be able to do both. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, I'm a big trends guy. And I think I've even put that in the article is how his completion percentages went up about 8% every year. Mm-hmm. His yardage has went up about five to 600 every year. His mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns exploded this past year. Mm-hmm. He continually gets better. Now I will say, man, just to respond to the chat, I usually don't do this, man, but I got to check some of you guys. Cause I keep, I, there's a lot of comments talking about the Campbell game. Listen, if you're going to base draft stock off a singular game, there is not a single quarterback in the NFL that should have been drafted then right. because every single quarterback had an off week. But outside of that, he delivered every week and delivered on the biggest stage. I still think the most important game of Davius Richard's career was the Celebration Bowl on ABC, 11 a.m. Central, when the whole world was tuning in to look at Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders and number 11 for North Carolina Central stole the show. Absolutely. Green Eye Bandit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's literally what he is. That's where Green he made his draft stock. Every because because I even put it, I even wrote it. He was the best kept secret in Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody was listening, regardless of the New Hampshire win, regardless of of the Morgan State performance, regardless of anything. Everyone kept overlooking him. And let's go back to last year. Alcorn State found very fast what Davius Richards could do when they went in there as a heavy favorite mm-hmm. under Fred McNair. And North, and North Carolina Central handled them as well and put the whole country on notice for them as well. So I don't think he's a one-hit wonder. I don't think you could judge a guy's whole career on one game. This year's important, though, because if he does take a step back, we're having a different conversation. But I yeah. don't see that in his game right now. But I, I can see him taking a step forward, man. But our last few topics here, man, HBCU head coach is on the hot seat, man. Give me one to two guys this year. We'll start with you, Josh, that if they don't get it done this year, we're having a serious conversation about who's going to be the head coach of this university in 2024. Well, you know, I, I hate to do this because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm North Carolina central true and true through and through. And, uh, you know, it, it almost kind of breaks my heart for me to have to do him like this, but we would love for him to be able to come back home in the event that it all falls apart. Norfolk state. Coach, Coach Odoms, mm. I know the contract situation, but I know Norfolk State's alumni. And I know if you don't find a way to get yourself to that top half of that conference this year, 
you're gonna be coming back down to Durham real soon. And we're gonna open, we're gonna welcome you back home with open arms. But it ain't gonna be in no position of head football coach. Dawson Odoms is on the hot seat, ladies and gentlemen. And rightfully so. Had Pootie Carter, didn't find a way to win. Last year came back, stunk up the building. This year he's totally reshaped and rephased and completely different. I mean, he's completely facelifted this entire program. And now you're in a situation where it's put up a shuttle. So that's my first guy. My second guy is just as obvious. Alabama AM. That's where I'm going. I'm sorry. Mm. But we are a long way away from that spring season. And I noted the rumblings was that he was almost the head football coach up in Greensboro, East Greensboro. And I would have loved that because we would have loved to whoop up on him again back in the back, in, <laughs> back up here in North Carolina. You know. But uh, coach, I love you. Got a lot of respect for you. But if you don't figure out what to do down to normal, you head back your way back up here to North Carolina as well. Mm. And those are my two. Those are my two. And I'm I'm okay with people disagreeing with me on that second one. But that first one, oh, that's clear as day. That's clear as day. Yeah, the, the first one's easy. I think me and BJ will agree. I'm borderline on Connell, though. I really, I, I really, really am. I'm borderline on him just because I don't see an immediate upgrade for them. Yeah. And he has succeeded there to a like, I mean, he's kind of in that Willie Simmons thing where last year was a bad year. But when you look at the Akil Glass years, I think you give him one more year to try to figure it out without Akil Glass. That's just my, I think, because I was the same way with Terry Sims. I didn't think Bethune should have fired him this year, especially with all the hurricane stuff and being, mm-hmm. you know, displaced all year. I think they should have gave him one more year. And now hindsight's 2020. And they really probably wish they would have gave him another year with all the craziness that happened this offseason. But, I, I still think Connell's are one more year, man. But BJ, I'm gonna toss it to you. Your top two hot seats in HBCU football. Oh man, mm. Clarence McKinney at Texas Southern, nine and twenty-seven overall record since he's been there. Um, it's now or never. Um, Buddy Pugh, I understand that you have a Celebration Bowl title in 2021. Four out of the last seven seasons have been losing seasons for South Carolina State. That ain't gonna get it done in um in um in, in Oberg. Um Dawson Odoms, eight and fourteen in Norfolk State. Larry Scott, eight and sixteen at Howard. Understand mm-hmm. Howard got a lot of positive momentum. Eight and sixteen they go get it, and there's only so many co championships that people are gonna be willing to accept. A co championship without a trip to Atlanta. It, it, it's it, it's like getting you know the IOU. Yeah, you say you owe me money, but I ain't got it to spend it. <laughs> um, Robert Prunty, uh, Hampton University, twenty one and twenty three uh, since he's been there, and Hugh Jackson, three and eight at Grambling year one. You roll you roll another three and eight or another four and seven, man. They're gonna be looking to pack your bags about in North Louisiana. Hmm. Mm. Man. Me and BJ had the – I think we had – you had three of my four. I had Buddy Pugh, South Carolina State, because I, I argued with someone last year. It was a South Carolina State alum, a donor, everything. And I argued with him on the calls. I mean, y'all aren't firing Buddy Pugh, everything. He sent me stuff that I would never believe. Apparently, they are ready to fire Buddy Pugh at a drop of a hat if he doesn't win this year. I didn't believe it. 
they had to convince me. I was convinced. So Buddy Pugh's on the hot seat. You can't finish bottom three in the MEAC this year. Yeah. God forbid a bottom two finish. Mm. You can't finish below Delaware State and teams like and, and even Morgan can't lose losing to Morgan forty-one to fourteen indictment all, uh, the year after a celebration bowl win. You you can't have that. Clarence McKinley as well, man. Texas Southern, we know what it is. You have Andrew Body. You had guys on the defense. You let you let Isaiah Hamilton walk right out the door to Houston, another school in the same state. It, it's it's winter. It's it's time to win, or we got to get Andrew somebody for his final year to see what he can do, or he's going to walk out the door. Yeah. And then Hugh Jackson, I agree, man. I've been so hard on Hugh, and I think he deserves it, man. You came in with all this hype, all this praise. Listen, you. It's time to win, and another loss to Southern like they had, and another. Un, I guess forgettable season that I, I don't see Hugh staying for much longer, man. If he if he can't get it together, and then one y'all didn't mention, Tennessee State, Eddie George, Eddie George. Eddie George. I love Eddie George, man. I've got to talk to him. I love what he's doing for that program, but man, losing to to winless Murray State and getting shut out, not scoring a touchdown for four consecutive weeks, you losing the line, not, losing to Division Two Lane. There you go. And you got to win this year. The OVC has been wide open. Outside of really UT Martin, SEMO exploded behind Geno Hessman. Shout out to them. That they're, they're two great teams. That was a winnable conference last year. Yeah. Yeah. A very winnable conference. And they failed to deliver. You got you the quarterback soft. You got Draylon. You got to figure out the running back. The defense is coming together. You have guys all over the place. You got multiple all OVC selections. It's time to compete with the big boys. Because if Tennessee State, like everyone says, doesn't want to come back to the swag, doesn't doesn't want to go to the MEAC, doesn't want to come back to HBCU conferences, you got to be ready to compete for playoffs. They're not doing that right now. They're not even competing for mid-level OVC stuff. This is a big year for Tennessee State, and they're not going to let North Dakota State, they sign that out-of-conference schedule that they have to compete for at-large playoff bids. They don't want North Dakota State coming in there to put 60 on them. And BJ can tell you, if you're not, if you have an average team, they're going to beat you by 60. Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask A&T. Exactly. Ask, yeah. the school, ask the school down the highway. It, it's, it's, and they're going to come to their house and do it in yeah. Nashville. Yeah, but that was a little petty there, <laughs> Josh. I like it, but a little petty there. Um, and then, man, our last topic here, man, I just like to uh, – everyone likes these – I need y'all's preseason MEAC Offensive Player of the Year. We'll start with this one because let's, let's all say it on three. Is it Davius Richards? Yes, yeah. Davius Richards. There we go. The quickest topic of the night. Now, Defensive Player of the Year, I know Khalil's returning, but there's a lot of guys coming back that's got a strong case. Are y'all are y'all riding with Khalil Baker from Central as, as the preseason MEAC Defensive Player of the Year? I'm going Khalil Baker. I'm, I'm, I'm going Khalil Baker, but I'm super Johnson. I'm going Khalil. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going Khalil. You know what I mean? But but uh, listen, hometown kid, man, love his kid to death. Love his family to death, man. You know what I mean? You know, quietly, I've known this, I've known this kid his entire life. So I'm not surprised that he's doing what he's doing. But I mean, you, you got a returning Aeneas Williams winner, Aeneas Williams Award winner, Celebration Bowl defensive uh, outstanding player of the game, Miak returning defensive player of the year. You got to at least give him. You know, he earned the the, the the opportunity to be the preseason MEAC defensive player of the year. Now, I'll let me again at the end of the season because it might be somebody else on the squad. Oh, Asa Scott. Quintez, man, Phil. 
Oh, that's a big step for him, man. He, I, he was he was stud last year, though. I got he one won. more. I'll give you that. I got one more. I got one more. School down the highway. Y'all gonna love this one. Carvacaba. <laughs> <laughs> I will so I'm hearing this having a tremendous spring. Oh, he is loving the new weight room. I'm hearing he's having a tremendous spring. Carper, we're proud of you, brother. Way to come home. I will say, I think Elijah Williams belongs in the conversation. I, I just think, man, oh, yeah. if, he, if he played for anybody but Morgan, he would have gotten so much more attention. I mean, he to me, he had an FCS All-American year that no one talked about. I mean, he was like top 10 in like all kind of major statistics for FCS defensive linemen, was one of the highest rated PFF players. So I'm going to throw Elijah Williams out there just, you know, to give a little bit of parody. Now the SWAC's wide open. Nobody's returning with these awards. So we'll start with the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year. Man, BJ, I'll let you kick it off. Uh, Jeremy Moose. Ooh. You with him, Josh? I'm Jeremy Moose, dog. Absolutely. Y'all know I, I think. I think, I think, I think it'll be – Either Jeremy Musa or Jarvion Howard, one of the yep. two. One How do two. we pick Musa over Howard? I just got to hear it. How? I, like, I think. I mean, it's, it's, it's a quarterback drip. Because know, the media loves quarterback. It's quarterback, man. It's quarterback. It's the most. It's the most prized <sighs> position in all of football, in all of sports, and all of American sports. It's the quarterback position, and you look at the parity that is around FAMU this year, and all of the expectations and everything that's going on. And he's the he was the second best quarterback in my opinion in the conference last year. And he's that was sandwich. <laughs> we're going to get there. Hang on. We're going to get there. I say he was the second best quarterback in the conference last year, and he's the only one of them two that was one and two that's back. This year, so, Man, I, I got to give it to Jarvion. I, I I still think offensively right now, I, I still think, like, because this is preseason. you got to take last season into account. Last season, he was unstoppable at times. I mean – Two like what three hundred yards and four touchdowns in a single game? Yeah, yeah. come on, man. That's I mean, I, you ask me who I would pick, it would be Howard. Yeah. Who I think the media was going is going to pick, it's going to be Musa, and it's just because he's a quarterback. Quarterback. I hate that. I feel so bad for the running backs. No respect out here. And then I think there's probably two really good answers for this one, man. But BJ Swag Defensive Player of the Year, <laughs> Boba Adams, all the mistake. Josh, ditto. Yep, uh, he ditto. was. He was. He he was. He had a strong debate. I I think Niles Gaddy's got a really strong case if he if he takes a big step this year as well. But and then in the secondary too, man. There's there's a few kids who I think just quietly like Adrian Maddox is going to be a dog. Yeah, yes, oh Lord. My good man. If he has a year, I can see him taking a big step like Khalil Baker. Yeah, I and, mean, and, and the opportunity is there for him, man. I mean, you, you look at what that schedule looks like for them this year, and you look at the opportunities he's going to have on primetime in primetime situations, no pun intended, to really, really show himself to be the best DB without question inside the conference, in, in the entire conference, in the entire conference, and possibly in all of HBCU football. Because at his size, his skill and the ability, I don't see a reason why he couldn't be. Hey, that – I think that's a fair take in the final topic, man. I saved it for last. Yeah, this is one that I think BJ has repeatedly talked about in HBC nightly and in some Twitter spaces, the SWAC's quarterback problem. And what I think we're talking here is the depth and the upside of quarterbacks is lacking right now compared to the history of the SWAC. 
BJ, how did we get here? And what can what can the SWAC do to fix it? And are they taking the right steps in the right direction right now to solve this issue? There was a lot of kids that were so it's a, a three part answer to this. A lot of kids that were scattered out of high school that I'm gonna be honest, people just missed the boat on. People just missed. Just be honest with you, they just they, they just missed. Second, everyone doesn't understand that the spread is hot. All right. A lot of these guys didn't run the spread in high school. They're not spread quarterbacks. They don't fit to your system. They can't make the throws that you want them to make. All right? Stop trying to squeeze, you know, a square pig into a round hole and do what – predicate your offense to the kids' strengths, not the other way around. And then second of all, I mean, the quarterbacks are bad because of lack, lack of creativity. Uh, when you talk about the offenses, man, I, I will say this again, man. This spread crazy, everybody feel like they can run. A lot of these teams are not equipped to run the spread from a quarterback or offensive lineman standpoint. I'm tired of seeing teams who have offensive linemen that are equipped to get downhill trying to run the spread. You got somebody running stretches and kicks. They're not athletic enough um, to make those blocks. Uh, to be impactful to stop the defensive, you know, defensive line, and and and, and it's, it's bad football, and that, that's how we got here. That's how we got here. Josh, as as a guy who you know, meag based, but man, you, you you really are vocal about all HBCU football, man. What have you seen in turn? Because you're an offensive guy too. I mean, you talk play calling schemes. What's the next step for the SWAC in terms of getting back to that deep talent pool at the quarterback position? Yeah, man. I mean, for me, it's it, it's it's gonna boil down to the coaching, man. Man, you know, I, I made my bones as a coach on the offensive side of the ball. You know, was an offensive coordinator, was a head coach who was more of an offensive minded head coach in North Carolina. And, and and BJ hit on something that is extremely important. Every single year, coaches are tasked with taking inventory on the type of players they have on their roster. We used to call it style. Now you got to take inventory like you, you like you're taking an invent like a like a employment inventory at a company. You've got to assess, reassess, evaluate, and reevaluate every single player inside of that program. Well, how can you make a fair evaluation if you don't really know what you're looking at? Hmm. Or nobody's ever even taught you how to make an evaluation. And you get the coach in one of the most prestigious conferences in all of football. But you haven't developed the skill or the ability to know how to do evaluation. I'm talking about of your position group room. Because at the same token where I can hear a lot about offensive line and quarterback play, I'm disgusted at what I'm seeing even from wide receivers. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing stuff from receivers that they're doing now because of this spread craze that is very resembling. And don't get me wrong, like I like the 707 and everything is cool. But half of it ain't resembling what's going to happen when them bullets is flying and a DB that's bigger than you going to put his hands in your chest. See, a lot of this boiled down to coaching. Can you coach that mess out of these kids when you got time for them? These young men when you got time with them? When you're in pre-practice, are you talking about things that's going to help to advance them getting from the spot, point, to point A to point B? Are you helping to mature a quarterback and his mental ability to make the right decisions during film session? 
Are you having conversation? Are you asking the right questions? Do you know the questions to even ask? That helps to mature a quarterback. That helps him to understand what a progression is. Why do you have to make progressions? What read is your first read in this spot? Where do you need to come back to? Where do your eyes need to be? I'm seeing stuff that I taught seven-year-olds not being applied on the college level from the quarterback position. And it ain't only in the SWAT. It's happening in all of college football. But in particular in the SWAT, I'm seeing stuff that is absolutely disgusting to see. And they yeah. all sitting around with 20, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 followers patenting themselves as offensive coordinators and offensive-minded guys, and they know how to coach this game. And I, I sat around and watched last night on HBCU Go. I sat down and watched Alabama A&M and Texas Southern and was absolutely disgusted from what I saw. And I'm not going to see who I, what I saw and what made me disgusted, but I was disgusted because I've loved this game since I was four years old. And there are certain things that we are missing teaching these kids to be able to progress them in a style, to be able to help them understand how you're supposed to play the game in this type of format of offense or in this type of system. And instead of us really generating system quarterbacks, we generating a bunch of flashiness that doesn't transition over into the football field. And I'm sorry if I'm finally letting this out, but I'm, I'm just going to put it out here because I'm around guys who know this game and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And they see the same level of disgust. And I'm looking at the film and I'm sitting back and I'm rolling back the play. And I am seeing the exact same thing down the foot placement for quarterbacks, guys. I'm talking about you ain't even teaching guys how to – Coaches, please, if you hear me, because I know you watch Blue Bloods. I know you watch Inside HBC Football. I know you watch HBC Nightly and listen to us. I know you hear us. It's okay for you to go to a coach's clinic. It may not be time for you to go to that NFL fellowship. You, you need to go to a coach's clinic. It's okay. We go to him. We go to him. <laughs> I still go to him. I ain't coached it down on football in three years. Go. Learn. Take back what you have and develop these young men so that they can play a better style of football. Because what we're seeing, and like I said, it's not only in the swag. I see it in the Big Ten. I see it in the Big 12. I see it in the ACC. I see it in the SEC. I see it in the OVC. I see it in the Big Sky. I see it in the CIAA. I see it in all, in the SOCOM. I see it everywhere. And at the most prestigious position in all of American sports, that your maturation and progression is going to dictate how a program eats and survives. Ain't nothing wrong with you getting going to get a little bit of information and learning how you can be able to make that position better. And that's all I'm saying. And can you do it before my son got to put on some cleats? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he said we got some time, but we, we need to we fix. I will. I will say I think that was what I talk about it on the show all the time. Is you could tell the elite offensive coaches, the elite offensive teams, man, they're never trying to. They recruit their system. You never see a guy running a pro-style scheme going to get a guy like Davius or, or someone like this. Like, and we need someone who does what we do well. And I think mm -hmm. even BJ, I mean, if you want to take it out of just the swag, when you look at the elite teams, 
they have quarterbacks that fit their scheme. When Eastern Washington was going all those runs, the Eric Berriers and all those guys mm-hmm. did exactly what mm. they wanted to do. North Dakota State has not recruited a single quarterback that doesn't fit exactly what North Dakota State wants to do. Fact, South right. Dakota State, Mark Gronikowski is built. If you said, what does a South Dakota State quarterback look like? It's Mark, it's, it's Mark, it's Mark Gronowski. Yep. That, that's who it is. And so – you really, I think it's a fundamental question of wherever your favorite team is, whatever your favorite coach is, what is their scheme? What do they, what excels in their offense? What do you need? And I think you look across the swag, man, at, at the, cause I think the past two years, let's just take a look. You're, you're entering the season where 10 of the 12 teams in the swag don't know what they're doing at quarterback. No. I mean, coming into this year, who who is who are the teams that have a bona fide quarterback? Because you can even because Texas Southern, we know Body would start, but he's not healthy right now. Mm-hmm. He just had, I mean, he got hurt at the last game of the season, so he hasn't practiced at all. So when's he coming back? Then you look at PV. We, we assume the same guy is going to come back, but there were times where he was inconsistent. Does he get pushed? Southern QB question, Grambling QB question. Allcorn, QB question. We, we they solved it with Macon probably, but they still had a quarterback position. Jackson, Phillips Short, or Jason Brown. We assume Brown, but still a QB competition. Valley have zero idea. Alabama AM. That was atrocious last year. That might have been the worst QB play in the country last year at times. Alabama State, you have D. Davis. We don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, BJ just talked about he could get pushed. You got Musa. That's it. Because BCU, we don't know what you're going to get. You have one guy who's healthy coming into spring in the swag, and everyone else has question marks. A&T's got question marks. Hampton's got question marks. There's just, there's just so many QB questions, and there's too many teams in the conference to have ten, 9 to 10 to 11 QB questions a year in and year out. It's, it's it's coaching, man. It's you know a lot of these guys, man. They not they don't have relationships with coaches in high school that coach this that have the type of style that they need to be able. To. I mean, gone are the days where you pick up a you pick up a phone call. There's a pipeline. You pick you pick up a phone call, coach. Who you got? You know the system we have. I know the system you have. Who you got over there? Oh, I got I got a little KJ. Okay, cool. I'm gonna come check KJ out because I know he, you you coach this type of style. We coach this type of style. So I'm going to come check him out because I know that this is a guy who can be able to come in as a freshman and understand the system. Got to learn the terminology. Got to learn how we say it. Got to learn the signals and all that stuff. That's all great. But at least I know the style, the concept, and the strategy align with what we do. The ideology is the same. Now you got exactly what BJ was talking about. You got circles. You got square holes trying to fit in. Not even pegs. You're trying to fit in a whole big plate. In a little small bitty hole, no. and it just don't work that way, man. So it's a lot of things that's got to happen, and it's not only in the sweat. The Miac got the same problem. Of the six teams that's in the Miac, only two of them know who they starting quarterback is right now. Everybody else figuring it out. Yeah, and I mean, Everybody I think even with even with Fam, because I because I see the comments, and I've talked to some Fam, you guys going back to Rashad McKay when that wasn't a QB question mark. McKay is not the quarterback that has historically had success at Fam. You. When you look mm-hmm. at the Ryan, uh, was it Stanley's and Ryan you know, Stanley's? Guys, they want a guy that uh, Willie Simmons historically wants a dude who is going to throw the football around the field. He has mm-hmm. not had that guy, and there's a question if Musa's that guy. So Musa, we got to see Musa without Zay Smith because that's, that's the majority the of his targets, right the majority of his targets went to Zay Smith, and when Zay Smith wasn't just wide open, it got real tricky. 
They're real tricky. Jamar Jamare uh, Sharid is going to have to be a monster for them, or they're gonna. Apparently, they landed a transfer. I don't remember where he was from. He's like six five. They said he's gonna be the next dude on the outside, but we'll see. But man. BJ, Josh, I know y'all both are super busy, man. I appreciate y'all giving me a little bit of your time, and I'm going to let each of you guys plug y'all shows, plug what you guys got coming up, let people know where they can find you, man. Josh, we'll kick it off with you. Yeah, man, Um, first off, man, man, this was an absolute pleasure, man. Whenever I can be around like-minded people, man, um, you know, the Bible talks about when two or more come together and agree, man, that is where God is. So, you know, not to get religious on this, but I, I appreciate Anytime I can be around football guys, man, and being able to have football conversation, man, this means the world to me because it's the game I've loved since I was four years old. Before I picked up anything in this world, man, I picked the football up. And uh, I love this game. I love our I love our brand of this game. I love what we have in this game. And that's what HBCU Nightly is all about. Um, Wednesday night, 10 p.m. during the offseason, we 10 p.m. to midnight. Most of the time we go a little bit over. If you have an opportunity, man, check us out. At HBCU Nightly on Twitter, Zach knows we we go go over on Wednesdays. That's just what it is. Uh, but we we having some intriguing conversations, and it's about us having the conversation. And so, if you like listening to people who be able to do this, but you're looking for something that's gonna get a little bit deeper into football and really really peel back the nuts and bolts, what me, BJ, and Erica have coming up with the X's and O's, we ain't too far away, y'all. Real, real soon, you're going to see something that has never really been done on this level with all of us together like this. Uh, expect to see my brother Blue on there. Expect to see, you know, all of the guys in the minds that we respect as it pertains to this game. But expect to get some introspect and some retrospect from a level of, from, from people who just, we just love this game, man. We understand it on a level that we hope that you guys can be able to understand it on as well. So uh, whether it's HBCU Nightly, whether it's X's and O's, whether it's myself, my brother BJ, whether it's anybody, Banks and Dave and everybody else, my brother Zach, man, this is, I appreciate you rolling out this red carpet for me, bro, and letting me come on your show. And, uh, you know, I'm going to pass it to my dog because I know he, you know, he, he he knocked the home runs out the park. I try to get the RBIs, you know what I mean? But he knocked the home <laughs> run out the park, dog. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, man. First of all, man, Blue, man, thank you. Uh, thank you, for, man, for having us on, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, this year, man, hey, man, I'm doing it for Kofi, man. Kofi Hemingway, man. Uh, my fam, you Rattler, man. I know he's up there smiling, man. Um, I'm dedicating this whole year to Kofi. Um, so, um, man, X's and O's. Um, it's literally in the show, man. X's and O's, man. We break down the X's and O's, man. You got two guys that played at the collegiate level, man. One on the offensive side, one on the defensive side. Two guys that coach. Um, at the high school level, in the, you know, in the state of Alabama and the state of Georgia and the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, we've been able to do this. And, uh, man, we're going to be bringing it, man. So, man, get ready, man. I'm, I'm softball down right now, man. So, uh, well, you know, I'm coming I'm coming back in the inside HBCU football on, on uh, Tuesday nights, man. X's and O's coming. And then, of course, man, HBCU nightly, man. Um, and like I said, man, you, you'll see some, you know, some, some people that you're familiar with, man, around with us, man. Uh, so, man, just shout out to Blue Man for having us, man. And shout out to everybody else that support us, man. And uh, be patient, man. We're coming. We're coming. Hey, guys. Hey, X's and O's, man. Listen, and shout out to shout, shout out to Erica, too, man. Oh, yeah. Great. Shout out to the Howard Bison with her. I, I know her and Bates. Oh, man. I told, if, she, if they beat Morgan State, oh, Bates is going to have to delete his Twitter with that trash he's talking. Hey, he's going to have to leave. 
Banks, I know you're watching. Listen, man, I, I love it, but Banks, you're going to have to delete that Twitter. A burner account only at HBCU Nightly, bro. Bro, you're going to have to leave. He's going to have to leave. They're going to set my boy on fire, man. Man, guys, um, check out interviews from uh, Alcorn State Spring Game, man. We got to talk some great players, including starting quarterback Tyler Macon, man. Shout out to my guy, Coach Fred, for helping with all of that. Also, oh, real quick, man, they want to know what platform X's and O's is going to be on. We still working, man. Um, it's it's up in the air, man, but um, we still good, working, good man. conversations right it's now, man. Coming. We pitching this thing right now to a lot of places. Do not be surprised when you end up seeing us in it. Yeah. D. I'll let you know as soon as they announce, man, I'll post it on the community tab, man. That way you can find these two guys. And plus, they're going to be on plenty more times as they get this thing up and rolling. But, guys, man, check out the interviews from the spring game. I should be up in Huntsville this weekend for Alabama a and M spring game. Hopefully got an interview coming with Connell Maynard. And then the next week, probably be up in Nashville, up at Tennessee State, man. I'll get to go talk to head coach Eddie George, Draylon Ellis. And we got a bunch of player interviews, man. Tomorrow we're dropping an interview with John Pius, William & Mary, Edge Rushers, placed second. Bob Buchanan Award last year, CAA Defensive Player of the Year, man. Shout out to my guy, John. It was a great interview. But, guys, for Josh, for BJ, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods, man, we are out for right now.